Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone for another episode of Bedrock and Balderstone to talk about Farscape. We're on, what is this, episode 7 and 8? Am I, or 6 and uh, 7? Oh, way to put me on the spot right away. Oh, no, this 6 and be, 7. Oh, this it's is episode, episode 6 and 7. 6 and 7. So, thank God it's Friday again, and PK Tech Girl. Um, so, I don't know... Uh, do you want to give a brief synopsis of uh, "Thank God It's Friday" before I tell you what sure. I thought of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one where uh, Dargo goes into a weird hyper age thing, which I don't think we'll ever hear of again in the show again. But uh, uh, he goes down to this planet. The uh, rest of the group goes down to investigate him, and he's all happy and chilled out on the planet and uh, working on on uh, farming, basically. Uh, and they, they, they investigate that there's a, but there's something, there's, there's sinister things going on on this planet and, uh, the, uh, involving the crop that's being grown. And, uh, there's also a strange, strange reaction that Rigel has to the food there that, uh, that, that, that ties into everything. Yeah. At the end. <laughs> this, this I thought was a really good episode. I really liked it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I watched it. I was like, I could see that maybe Farscape fans didn't like this episode. I don't know, but I really enjoyed it. Um, it was. Yeah, a... I don't. I don't know the consensus on it. This was actually where I was. I, I, uh, this was the point where I really started getting excited about the show. I think when I was watching it for the first time, I was like, Ooh, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> this, this felt like really good science fiction to me because it had yeah. all the elements I expected. It used the science. It also used the world building. There's the thing. I, one of the things I like about Star Trek is the world building they do, especially with the races and things like that. And it felt to be like at that level of world building that works well in a you know a show that sort of is airing on a weekly basis or whatever. And also, I thought the fact that so the 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 the, the culmination of the plot is is uh, um, is is Rigel urinating explosives, right? <laughs> it is, it's the most zany, bizarre thing. But you totally buy it because they've laid all of the all of the groundwork for it. So, so, so it makes complete sense when it actually happens. And it didn't, it didn't elicit a chuckle. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, I might've laughed, like somebody might've saw that and laughed, but it was, I was just sort of engrossed in the moment and, and really interested in what was going to happen. And so uh, to, to me, if you, if you can get away with that, that means you've done something very, very right in a show. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think, uh, I'd say Farscape probably has the most bodily fluids of any science fiction TV show that you'll ever watch. But but was but the thing is, it wasn't just like oh, he's reacting weirdly to it, and this is it tied in with the entire. It, yeah. it was the thing that explained to them the the, the mystery of what was <laughs> yes. going on. Yeah. It, it, it was it was a really well made episode, and it had this mystery running throughout it at every point. Where you you're at first you're wondering what's going on with the planet and why everybody's behaving strangely, and 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 you and you're kind of misled a little bit. Like you you first you think it might be one thing, and then you realize that it's the um, the tannet root that they're eating, and then you find out that the tannet root is 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 actually the component of a weapon that the Sebations are using, right? So yeah. It's yeah. it's a really cool plot and and uh, I don't know I just like because I'm every point in the episode I'm like how are they going to end this like I thought this was going to be like an arc that went on for five episodes based on everything that was happening and that they that they managed to wrap it up the way they did really impressed me um, yeah well it's, it's it's it is an interesting ending too because I mean it's the nature of the show and the characters in it it's like they're you know they're like 
Oh, oh, you're going to have a big uprising against the peacekeepers? Well, okay, good luck. See ya. <laughs> yep, yep. But that's good. We don't necessarily need to get that. We don't We don't need yeah. the show to become about them helping these people fight the the, the peacemakers. Um, no, it's, it's entirely plausible. It's, but, uh, it's, it's, you know, they've, they've shown them how to use the Tanit to, to make make it into a weapon. And, okay, you've got a fighting chance now. We're, we're moving on. And I, and I liked the whole thing of you see two of the characters succumb to the tanit root and you're not really sure what what's going on at first you just know that they mm-hmm. they seem to be lured to the pleasures of this planet and it's an interesting place because at first it looks like a pleasure place like a place of just hedonism and you know you know because because dargo basically is yeah. you know, having sex every time we see him on the planet um but they keep talking about how tomorrow's a rest day and it's like the rest day that never comes because apparently tomorrow's really a work day and then we're just going to party at night. It, it kind of reminded me of that movie that you had us see last year with um, uh, Sean Connery. The uh, um, Oh, Outland? Outland? Yeah, yeah. It reminded yeah, me yeah, a little yeah. bit of that. Um, yeah, I can, I can see that, definitely. The uh, Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a classic mining town thing, you know, I mean, to have this mining town where everyone, everyone work, work does this grueling job, but then they just, you know, drink like crazy at night and it's, it's a rowdy place. And, uh, and, and, and I, and I liked that there were like a segment of the population that were naturally immune to the Tanit route. And they were kind of like the resistance that existed there. Uh, yeah. but at first you thought there were some weird cult that were using him for nefarious purposes when they put the worm into Crichton. Um, yeah, the worm itself is great. I mean, that's just another weird, crazy kind of Cronenbergian kind of thing yeah. with it going through his navel. But uh... <laughs> no, it totally worked. It totally worked, especially since this was like a hedonism plant. Like there was something, like I, I'm just getting over. I'm not even getting over. I still have a stomach bug, and I know that you were probably sick yeah. over the weekend. And this related, episode made me very one. nauseous. I, I, but it was effective. It was very good at sort of. Like I was grossed out by everything that was going on in the in the show, and I was wondering at every step is Diargo getting some kind of weird alien virus every time he, you know, like it was it just everything on the planet felt like it could contaminate you with something. Do you know what I mean? And and the yeah. worm was sort of the biggest sort of uh, visual cue to that. I thought. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's done as such a sinister thing, but it's the thing that's saving Crichton. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I mean. And then you've got the character of Volmay, who's the uh, the leader, and I, I I love the way that you know when she first shows up on the first night, and it's like, I love I love just the reaction of the you know of like of Crichton and so on to her, where it's like he's you know she she says this weird character, and I feel like his reaction to her behavior is just really really honest at her her just strange eccentricity. No, I I um. I, I really liked that character a lot. I thought that the, yeah. the I, I don't know who was she in anything else because she seemed kind of familiar, but I don't maybe it was just the performance was hearkening uh, to something I, looked, I recognized. Yeah, I looked her up earlier and I did not uh, find her uh, to be in anything I'd heard of before. Okay. I mean she's she has done other things, but nothing nothing that uh, not nothing that meant anything to me. Well, what I what I also liked is that she was like a mirror of Zahn, It seemed like she they, they had a moment yeah. start where it was clear that they were there. There was something very similar about them, and and I think I think uh, you know and they and, and so I, I I liked that there was sort of that parody between those two characters, um, and but but she was very unnerving that lady. She was sort of like 
on the one hand, slightly seductive, but also there was something clearly wrong with her that was meant to make you uneasy. And I liked that combination. Um, yeah. And I think we had another character like this just like last last episode that we were talking about, too. I think I don't know. Maybe oh, yeah, we had we had the yeah, the uh, the uh, Scorpion character yeah. in back and back and back to the future. Yeah. So, so it was, and I think it's like you're saying it's a Cronenberg type thing. There's like a body horror going on in this episode. Yeah. And I think in the show in general, maybe I don't know. Maybe I, I'm only seven episodes yeah. in. Um, I find I find when Farscape wants to go for for body horror, generally it's generally pretty good at it. Okay. <laughs> I think I think part of it is the fact too that you know when you've got got Henson Creature Workshop doing your effects, you know your average science fiction show is going to have to go with CGI or something. Whereas you know when you've got Henson on your side, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make an actual little disgusting worm. T- Thing that, that's really creepy yeah it's, it's going to be a real physical thing the characters are holding <laughs> no that makes all the difference in the world i again i know i you know like like I, we've had this conversation before so we don't need to rehash it but i just feel like the physical props are what really add to the show here that yeah. you know that everything looks like it's being handled um and so yeah i thought i thought this was a really good episode and uh and just to kind of you know, you can give the plot in a moment, but do do you have anything more about this episode that you? Yeah, want to actually, say? I yeah. do. I, I one thing I like about it is, I mean, obviously, you know, Dargo is, you know, kind of, you know, controlled by the the Tanit route to an extent, but I like the fact that it reveals a true thing about him that he really, he really, you know, that the conversation at the end with Zani has, I think, is one of the key key parts of the first season and kind of getting to know Dargo that he is someone that, yeah, he's this warrior guy, but he really does just want to want to, want to have a farm and settle down and, and just have this, this nice life. It's uh it's that that's, that's a, a very important part of Dargo's character. We haven't seen till now. And it's kind of revealed and revealed through this plot. Well, and I feel like he and Zahn are getting a lot of chemistry and one of the unresolved issues of that episode is how much of what was going on not that they not that they not that they like um we didn't see them do anything passionate but they were having like moments together that were uh that seemed a little bit tender like in the fields and stuff do you know what i mean and so how much of that was the tannet route how much of that is something that's actually developing between them um whether it's friendship or something else but you know, even w- but with a character like Dargo, friendship would be meaningful. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, so, exactly. Yeah, um, it's a very very connecting moment between the two, definitely. Um, and so, so yeah, and and also I thought that this episode really went it, it smoothly transitioned to the next one very well because uh, yeah. number one, they really did a good job of making sure you not just that you remembered the peacekeepers, but that you had a sense of how extensive their reach were. That or the reach was that they that they that they, that that this planet that they just kind of ended up on was also you know sort of part of their their extensive network and that they were just using it to get materials to make their guns basically um, yeah you know that yeah but uh, but in the PK Tech Girl episode I was totally thrown off by this I, I it did not go at all in the direction I expected it to go I I never <laughs> expected this subplot to emerge. That that this like love story between um, what's her name G what, what's her name Jelena Jelena uh, between Jelena and Crichton that 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 surprised me but it added I think necessary complexity to to his relationship with Sun do you know what I mean because the the you're sort of expecting that those two are supposed to be a couple at some point in the series and yeah. 
and and this really complicates that expectation <laughs> um yeah definitely but but also it, it happened at a time when i was when when Crichton was on the thank god it's friday planet i was having a little difficulty believing his behavior because i was like this guy has been in space for ages now alone without you know any outlet <laughs> for his passions and he's not responding at all to zan's you know advances you know, like it just seemed a little bit difficult to swallow but that they that the very next episode sort of dealt with that you know it it's it, it was like okay i can i can i can sort of now buy the previous episode um, yeah well, i think i think it's kind of you know, I mean, I think I think, you know, with the with, with that, there's there's just that weird thing of, you know, when you work with people, it's like <laughs> it can be a little more complicated. It's like, you know, oh, I get that. I get that. It's just that he is in space like, yeah, j- jettisoned oh, from know, his world. I know. Completely. I know. Um, I, I realize yeah. there would my point. My point is that he wouldn't feel, you know, that he would feel nothing. My point is oh. that it would be complicated it's but like, but he was like, also not responsive to the people on the planet either the way that Darvo yeah that was. i agree with yeah. actually the zod thing i can understand i was, I was actually going to say that too that i feel like i feel like he he may have at least on the first night have wanted to get into the little uh debauchery after that it makes sense because then he's got the worm and i mean yeah. we were just talking about stomach pain and i can see you know, not being in the mood. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> but I feel like, see, when when Zahn made a move on him, what I was thinking yeah. is, well, maybe he doesn't feel comfortable with the people on the planet because he's like, you know, he's, again, he's, he, he's really out of his element to begin with and he doesn't know what's safe, what's not safe. But I figured with Zahn, at least he might have a sense of security and safety. Do you know what I mean? Like he might, like, that's yeah. why I thought that that felt like a plausible situation. But... But either way, I, th- I just it was just one moment where I was like, I don't know if I buy that this guy's totally unresponsive to, <laughs> to this, you know, high priestess of pleasure putting the moves on him after he's been you know, on his own in space for so long. But yeah. but the thing that the PK tech girl brings into it with there's a you know, he meets a sebation who's basically kind of analogous to him. She's very tech oriented. And yeah. and I'm glossing over all the other really key elements of the plot, which Adam will will describe oh, in a moment. Oh yeah, there's but, lots to get into here. But 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 basically, it was like okay, I, I can buy this because we've sort of established that Sebations and humans are compatible in some way, and like like we've we've had glimmerings of it with him and Sun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, but here it's even more of a compatibility because she's actually somebody that he would be interested in if he met her on Earth because they're they have a lot in common. So, yeah. so I thought that, you know, it, 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 it sort of addressed a necessary aspect of his personality. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's a rare, rare chance. He, he hasn't had many, many times this season where someone's really respected what he knows and taken him seriously yeah. too, which makes a big difference as well. So, you know, most of the people on the ship with him be not being tech people. They're just like a Crichton. What, what's his deal? But but yeah, so why don't you tell the plot? Because I actually I just focused on the love story aspect, but there's really a lot more going on here. Oh uh, yeah, with PK yeah, Tech yeah. Girl. Yeah, so they come across this wrecked peacekeeper carrier, the Zelbinian, and uh, it's uh, the it's not just any wrecked carrier; it was the biggest peacekeeper ship, and something's destroyed it. And you know, and it, as Crichton brings up at the beginning of the episode, why aren't we getting out of here? Whatever run this battle must be really terrifying. <laughs> and uh, but uh, but but Dargo wants to go on board because he's looking for navigational information to get home. 
and uh, and and Aaron wants to get on board because she, you know, she's a peacekeeper. Well, was a peacekeeper, and she wants to know what happened here uh, because it, it's what matters to her. And they encounter Jelena, who's this uh, tech who uh, is the only survivor of a group that was checking out the ship from Crace's ship who had been in the area and now, dropped them off. I do have a question. Did we see her, that that the that character, earlier in the show, or did they just introduce her in this episode? They just introduced okay. her. You haven't okay. actually seen her. She wasn't on the bridge in any scene or anything. Okay, okay. I'm yeah, sorry. that's Go a good on. question. No. And, uh, but yeah, so basically they, they uh, you know, have a... Have a they, as they're, they're kind of dealing with her when these the Shangs, which are these space scavengers, show up, and they they were they were the ones who actually wiped out the rest of Zelina's team, and they've come back to pick up more stuff, and uh, so there's a standoff between uh, Dargo and the Shangs. Yeah, the Shangs. Uh, they they to, reminded uh, me of the of the I forget the name of the alien race, but like the the sort of orcish race that was in Fifth Element. Is what they reminded me of the uh, the minions that were being used by um, uh, what was his name uh, Zorg oh, was that it I I can't remember it's I'll been look. too long since I've seen Fifth Element but I know exactly what you're talking about but they, they reminded me of those guys but I liked I liked that part of the story I liked the um, the standoff between Diargo and uh, and and uh, what are they the Xiangs and I liked the mutiny yes, on yeah. on their ship and where that went and. I also enjoyed that this started out, I thought it was going to be an alien episode because they go on there. Yeah, and, they really push it hard. <laughs> and there's even like vision, even when it's not alien, like even when it's clear the episode is not going to get into alien territory, they have Sun looking like Ripley in many, yes. like there's a lot of visual callbacks to alien. Um, but, uh, and oh, even, even, even having the reveal of Jelena is a lot like the way they find Newt in the, uh, in the, in, in aliens. Yeah. Up to, uh, so basically everything up to that point is telling you, this is going to be an aliens episode. Then no, no, then it totally, then it becomes a love story. And, and just, <laughs> and just for the sake of clarity, the name was Jean Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. That was the bad guy in, uh, ah, okay. In the okay. So you, you've got that covered. But yeah, I really like the Xiangs a lot, a lot too. The interaction between him, Turok, the captain. You know, I, he he has the great closing line about you know about about uh, Dargo had nothing, but he used it well. And, uh... Yeah, that was that was my favorite line in the in the, in the episode. And and I li- I like the mutual respect, but I like the point the fact that he also made a point of saying I'm going to kill my clever opponent. You know, yes. at some point. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, they're uh, they're 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 really well done characters. I agree. And Lomas, the uh, the mutiny one, the one he has to go off on the mission. I love I love their their little like missile launcher things that you know shoots the torpedoes that they ride in to try and make it through the uh, shield. That is that that was just a really really great looking little sequence there. And and I like that Crichton and Jelena had to use their tech knowledge to protect the everybody from the attacks. I I, I liked. I like yes. the I like the I, I just the way that the threats were all sort of balanced out and the way the tension was maintained through the episode really worked. I was I was I was I, I was it was the it was also it was also a great way to sort of follow up the previous episode because the previous episode was kind of a little bit sort of home on the range type. You know, there was there was there was a little bit of a lull to it, an, an interesting lull, but there still was a lull in movement 
and I thought that yeah. this this was a lot more exciting, and so it was a great way to follow up a great episode. And both of them together, I was, uh, you know, again, it snowed last night, and it's a little dreary here, and I, I watched the two episodes before we did the podcast, and whenever I sit down to watch episodes for a thing like this, it, you know, we do it so much that I just, I, I, I can't help but be honest, because... You know, I'm either going to be sitting there miserable working my way through two episodes or I'm going to be enjoying myself. <laughs> and if I just had two hours of misery, I'm going to let Adam know. But yeah. I, th- this was this was th- I would this was pleasantly surprising. I was I was kind of not looking forward to watching the two episodes because they were things I just had to get through. But once I started the first one, I was sort of hooked in and it was no problem watching both of them back to back. Yeah, I, I feel like this is where the show really really starts to take off i said to you like you know thank god it's friday again is was you know what the one where i really really i i was fine watching the show up to this point but this was the point where i'm like oh, okay i started i started really tearing through the season at that point and it's uh you know because i mean i i think you know back and back and back to the future is also a very good episode but it's 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 kind of a standalone good but i feel like this is where the characters are really starting to come into focus really well. I feel like things are building. You're getting a bigger sense of the setting. It's, it, you know, it's it, everything about it. I mean, we, we haven't even talked about about uh, Rigel and his the fact that he was a prisoner on this ship and he has that, to go on board. That was it. He had his own movie during this episode. It was like a, yeah. it, it, was, it was a whole, <laughs> he was in a whole other space than everybody. That was Again, it was this episode to me was surprising in a lot of ways because I I really didn't expect the Jelena character to be trustworthy by the end, and perhaps she's not because I mean they did let her go and we don't know where that's going to lead. But mm-hmm. but I was like, oh, she's totally going to betray them. This is all a trap, clearly. And I thought the uh-huh. stuff initially with Rigel was just evidence of it being a trap when it first happened. But then I realized, no, there's th- this episode is just taking me in very unexpected paths. And the Rigel path was sort of this introspective delve into his history on the ship, or and 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 that 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 really sadistic. I forget the guy's name, but the the guy who was torturing him, um, Durka. Durka. That that was that 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 that. I don't know. I I I I didn't realize that Rigel had this past, and it makes Rigel yeah. more interesting. Also, I feel like the previous episode we kind of really saw Rigel. Like I've always been saying, he's kind of a character that can just sit in the background and you don't really care. Um, not that I don't like the character, but just I'm more interested in the other characters for the most part. But yeah. these two episodes, his he's become more interesting to me, I think, um, and and I feel like he's, uh, I don't know, he's he's just maybe like you're saying, he's sort of taking shape now. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel like everything is, and uh, yeah, I I, I really uh, you know I, I really like the scene too between Crichton and Jelena at the end. They're goodbye scene. The way there's just that kind of humor humor to this track could be it'd be really easy just to make it it's a sad scene but yeah. they're just they you know there's just this this interaction between them i feel like the acting in that scene really makes it work work in a very good way that that was a really risky plot line because i was initially i was like oh man they're gonna have these two be in love aren't they like when it first started <laughs> when you first yeah. saw them go that direction and i was like i just don't buy it like yeah it's like five minutes of knowing each other he's known soon for so long like it just it just didn't feel plausible, but I think that the actress did a really good job of of uh, of making those scenes believable and making and 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 I think they had good chemistry. 
Um, so I think that it worked, but, uh, yeah, yeah. And that's Alyssa Jane Cook is the, uh, she, she, she played, uh, Jelena. She's actually a fairly well-known TV, uh, actor. What in, else has she been in? No, Australian shows, nothing. Oh, new okay. Okay. So, so it's like, it's like you know, Australian TV. She's, she's pretty recognizable. One but, thing uh, I do want to comment on in general is the casting. I think that the casting has been pretty good for like all of the other people that they bring into the show like yeah the, like the the woman that was leading the planet i can't remember her name but the lady that was in charge of the uh of the uh um, yeah. yeah full May. um she was good but not just that like the physiques of everybody on that planet i was noticing they all look like farmers to me like like i don't think they look like farmers they look like actors who probably go to the gym but like yeah. <laughs> but like but everybody had that like healthy muscle tone that you would expect from somebody who is laboring on a daily basis. Do you know what I mean? It didn't. Yeah. And sometimes on these shows, you'll get raggy, skinny people that look like they don't do anything, you know, farming all the time. Do you know what I mean? It just, it's just like, like I believe that these people were using their hands and, and, and I think that the, the actress that they got for that role, but also the actress they got for the aliens on the, I, I again, I'm, I'm not familiar enough with the show, the Xiangs, the, uh, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought, <laughs> I thought that they got, you know, I feel like the casting is pretty good. Um, and, and maybe, maybe it's just that the, because it's an Australian show it's actors that I don't recognize. So I'm not pinning them to other things. Like, even if I don't know an actor by name, if I see them in an American show, I could be like, Oh, it's the guy who plays the lawyer in that other show that I saw. Yeah. And, oh. and I'm, I'm not able to do that here. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a show shot in Sydney and Sydney does have really good acting schools. And so it's like, you've got this whole pool this whole pool of actors that you just are totally unfamiliar with that are, you know, it's obviously there's, there are famous to Americans, Australian actors, but you know, there's a, there's a whole lot of them you just never see. And you know? so I well, think, I think that's one benefit this show has. And they would be intrusive. Like if they inserted Jeffrey Rush into the show somehow, oh, yeah, which, exactly. you know, that you would be like, Oh, it's Jeffrey Rush. Like in, in Farscape, it would, it, it's sort of like in Star Trek when they bring on the celebrity, it, yeah. it stands out. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's sometimes it works cause it's Star Trek, but you know, it's a guest appearance. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I don't know, does, does yeah. Farscape indulge in guest appearances as the show goes on or are they more well, really? Reserved? I mean, the, I think the, the, the most famous people we get are in the main cast as far as once okay. Americans are, recognize you've got you know i mean zon the actress that plays zon she uh she she's in in the road warrior in a, in a notable part and uh and we've also the guy that does the voice of rigel has a notable part in mad max so it's a <laughs> it's a but i but what, what part did he have in mad rigel. max i i what, what uh what's the character's name he's uh let's see I can find it here. He's the he's the guy. He's the, he's the police commissioner. I don't need to know his name, but he's the uh, police commissioner in uh okay in, in Mad okay. Max. I didn't realize it. we're gonna have to go back and watch the Mad Max movies. I think <laughs> I could I could live with that. Yeah, yeah. because I, I just looked up Virginia Hay. She looks so different with hair. Like I I, I now <laughs> now it's like okay, I think I do remember her from that movie. But I would really like to. Are there any other actors from the Mad Max series? In, in Farscape, or are those the only two? Uh, the only two I can think of off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, those are... Uh, but, yeah, as far as... Uh, you know, I might be forgetting something, but I can't I can't think of many people that are going to come up in, uh, you know, in guest appearance roles that are going to be familiar to Americans. She was also in... Um, 
Living Daylights, it looks like, too. Yeah, um, yeah, she was. She was in Living Daylights. That's right. I told you that was like the first... I mean, I had seen James Bond movies before, but that was the first Bond movie I saw in the theater, and that totally shaped my... Uh, my expectations around Bond movies, um, okay. which is probably an odd movie to to have as your your your. Uh, uh, I start the first one I saw in the theater was Octopussy, so there you go. So yeah, there. that's also a yeah. I, I could. <laughs> but yours, but, but you know what? I, I would before. say that was a more popular Bond. I remember Timothy Dalton not being very popular when. Um, oh yeah, that's true. You are on a yeah yeah. Dalton Bond is an unusual one. I like Timothy Dalton in the role though, but. Uh... But uh, that's another podcast. Yeah, yeah, we should probably. But but we do need to do a Mad Max <laughs> sequence. I think I we'll talk about it after the podcast. But I think we're gonna have to do this Mad Max thing. Um, but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed both these episodes, and I think that the show is is working really well. I I particularly feel like I got to know the Sun character more because she was a little bit darker leading up to this, and now she's starting to get more more illuminated. Like she just doesn't. Um, yeah. She doesn't seem as like maybe she will. She's still probably obviously gonna have to struggle with her her past as a as a peacemaker, and you know maybe her alliances aren't a hundred percent clear. But I feel like she's becoming more heroic. I will say that she's becoming more heroic as the show goes on. And uh, yeah. also, I did not yeah, realize how tall actually... she was until until I had another love interest to contrast her with. With the um, because I because yeah, I'm kind of using Crichton as a measuring stick, and I realized, oh, this woman is much shorter than Crichton, and Sun is like I think a little bit taller than him, possibly. Um, so yeah. she's but, got those those huge huge uh, soles on her sneakers, though. So uh, okay, they maybe maybe they're using she, some platform. Uh, platform yeah, but she's shoes. still really tall. That doesn't dispute. Well, no, because I look I, at, in comparison to Crichton, it's tough to I, say. I tend to pay a lot of attention to physiques, and so when I noticed that, I was actually looking at her proportions, and she looks like a tall person. She like, is a tall yeah. person. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's only so tall you can make a uh, you know a combat boot, but uh, it's <laughs> it's but yeah, she is way taller than uh than, than Jelena. Yeah, it, it does it does really shine through in this though, episode. Though I have to say a lot of the actors on this do seem to be tall. Like the guy that plays Dargo I think is pretty tall unless they're just sort of beefing him up and doing tricks with the camera. Um the woman who plays uh Zahn seems pretty tall. Um Yeah. Am, am I correct in that? Yeah. Like, yeah, are, yeah. Are, I are, so. are Australian people above average height for americans no. is that okay no. all right no. well there goes Anything. my pet theory uh, uh, no there's no no it's just it's just a matter of casting okay but uh yeah no they're not not especially tall people i say if anything the other direction okay but uh uh but yeah i i you know what i mean yeah talking about aaron in this episode i i agree i mean you know obviously obviously having to see Crichton with someone else kind of pushes her into admitting that maybe maybe she was somewhat interested at first and you know that in her her very stilted way she actually has to address her emotions to an extent but i like that because i didn't expect her to be like that what what's the word it's 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 like she's sublimating all of her emotions like she like she like yeah. when she walks in there and she and she sees them together she she hefts up the uh, I don't know what it was but it was something that was obviously <laughs> heavy and she just she just like gets all aggressive with whatever work she's doing but she doesn't actually address the the elephant in the room that that Crichton wants to address um but it's also yeah. interesting because it's clear oh, in that oh. moment that Crichton's intuition to address it is probably wrong um 
like you know like like soon's actually being polite when you think about it like like she was actually giving him the space to 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 have a relationship with this woman and he kind of goes after her and makes everything yeah. super awkward for everybody so yeah <laughs> uh, yeah exactly when you put it that way that's that that's very interesting yeah and i mean there's the good scene with uh with with Aaron and Crichton at the end of the episode, I find on the whole Farscape does a really good job with closing scenes. I think I think that's, you know a lot of times you get that closing scene that's just kind of superfluous. But I feel like you know last scene you had the one with Dargo and Zahn talking about things, yeah. and this one you get the one with Aaron and Aaron and, and Crichton talking, and I feel like it added a lot to the episode. Also, there was there was a scene with uh, the scene with Pilot was really good um, when Aaron, when he, Pilot is walking her through the uh, uh, yeah. steps of, yeah. of of analyzing Rigel. Number one, the, when he's when he's cryo frozen and she pulls off his mustache, and then he <laughs> says like, "Don't pull off any other protuberances." I suddenly yeah. felt the peril that he was in, like any like any little part <laughs> of his body that she decided to pick off just mindlessly could be gone forever. And so that yeah. was, I thought that was a really effective moment, but I also was like, wait, is, is pilot telling the truth here about his like lack of scientific understanding? And cause he reveals that he only understands like 20% of the specs of the ship. Right. Is that, is that, is that what, uh, or the scientific I, I data science in general. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the specs he, of the ship. I but. He only understands 20% of the science that's available on the ship. I think that's what, yeah, he, that's basically, yeah, that's, it. that's a big revelation. Um, it and, is, and, it I, is. and maybe it's a lie to help encourage her, but we don't know, uh, unless yeah, they revealed it, it and I didn't see it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because it, uh, you know, it's like we have, we have pilot and Aaron becoming closer as you know, the show is moving forward and it's like, you know, we are talking about how, how Crichton, and Jelena really hit it off because they're both very technical, scientific people. And it kind of explains why, you know, there's, there isn't there isn't as much of that connection between <laughs> between uh, Pilot and Crichton. Because Pilot, he likes to have this demeanor of being the guy who knows everything. But he, he isn't someone that really wants to sit down and talk science with Crichton. I feel like, I, I think I'm getting a handle on Pilot. He's very procedural. Do you know what I mean? He's very orderly and procedural, but he's not necessarily brilliant, right? And so exactly. I, that's, so, that's so he's my... the guy who just by the fact that when he sits down at the computer to work, he puts his pad of paper and his pen in the right place and everything's <laughs> in order. He gets stuff done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Crichton might be more intelligent, but isn't orderly enough to necessarily get things done. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crichton. Uh, but on the other hand, Crichton can be very good at thinking by the seat of his pants too. So yeah. it, uh, it, it, you know, Though, it kind of kind of balances. He needs to work on his movie references. I think um, <laughs> his movie references are really uh, just bad in general. The I, yeah, no, there's a you know, it's like how aliens in TV shows always have kind of the cliche thing about the alien race, and it's like I, I remember joking with a friend of mine when I was watching this that it's like. You know, they, watching Crichton, it's like your takeaway is that humans are the pop culture race. Yeah. That's what they are. They're the alien race that makes pop cultural references all the time. Well, <laughs> it's also it's just not good use of pop culture. I wouldn't mind a Titanic reference. It was just such a bad, badly delivered Titanic. You know, ask reference. Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, 
no, no, but no person would ever say that. Really, do you know what I mean? Like that no, was the that was that the problem. Was I had. Yeah, that was a bad one. Yeah, yeah. Now but, I I feel like to an extent, Crichton likes throwing these things out there all the time, almost for himself. Like mm. he's he's trying to he's he's completely in this alien world, and it's like he he's he's just he's just trying to make any references to Earth that he, he can, can at any point, just to. Just well, to hang on. And it does emphasize his awkwardness because it is like the person who's maybe a little bit behind the conversation in the room who makes that reference. And yeah. nobody really likes the reference and they're all vaguely annoyed at the person. And, and, and there's a slight awkwardness that follows. You know, that, that's kind of how all of his references feel. So maybe it's intentional to, to, to highlight his, his isolation and his, and his just general lack of feeling a part of anything. But yeah. um, yeah. Uh, but but yeah. But either way, I think I think that Le- that Leo one really stuck out at me. Um, that was a bad one. Yeah, I I agree. That one left out at me as being like, who? And, and and maybe it's just the distance that we have now from the Titanic. Like maybe when this aired, I wouldn't have noticed as much. Nineteen ninety nine was uh was right when the movie came out. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, it, actually, it was 97, that, that wasn't was, it? Wasn't it a 97 film or am I mistaken? Uh, yeah, I think it was a 97 film. I remember that was the year I moved to Chicago. It was uh it was very big. I moved to Chicago in 97. So, yeah, I mean, I mean uh, now actually, people might not never understand, seen the but movie, there, I still know what year it came out. Well, there was a period where you just could not escape the Titanic. Like the Titanic was uh, and it was uh, in the theater for I think it was kind of like Forrest Gump, wasn't it? Wasn't it like in the theater forever and I remember, yeah, I remember yeah, Forrest Gump meant, being in the theater excessively long. Um, but yeah, you know, putting, putting the show in perspective, too, one, one bit of trivia from this episode for 1999. 1999, of course, DVDs were still new. And yeah. the concept of every show coming out on DVD wasn't a thing. Well, you and got them on VHS back then. That's how you got them. The... Yeah, well, you, I don't know, but most shows didn't come out on VHS, though, because, you know, VHS was such a... You know, I mean, having a, having a whole season of a TV show on VHS it, was. It might have depended on where you live because I used to go to Suncoast Video at the mall, yeah. and I would actually buy a lot of uh, a lot of of TV shows. Uh, I don't. I tended to consume a lot of British stuff at that point. British or, shows or, would come out yeah. on. British shows would have a season of you know four to six episodes, yeah. so they they put those out on video. You'd always see those on video. But, okay. Oh, uh, point. I'm not saying no TV series came out on videotape. I'm just saying it was very selective. It's like we hadn't entered the age where everything did. And but what I, what I'm really getting at is that the the title of this episode, PK Tech Girl, <laughs> like it was. It was literally the the creators of the show literally admit that was their their scratch little thing when they were first thinking up the idea for the episode they called it PK Tech Girl and they never they never came up with a proper name because who's ever going to see the name no one is ever going to see the name for this episode so there's there's two there's two episodes in this oh because they're only thinking of it as ephemeral show that people watch and then they forget well. They, you know? Well, no, the titles are ephemeral. No one, because the title, you don't, you don't see the title at the beginning of the episodes in the first season of Farscape on the show. Oh, and you they don't? Think no, one, no, no. They actually, starting in season two, you will actually see the uh, titles in the show itself. Okay, okay. But, but, uh, but no, it's never on the screen. So they just, they just don't think the title matters. They just think that, okay, no one's ever going to hear this. PK Tech Girl, that works. 
it's a PK Tech Girl episode, you know. And uh, next one, next week's episode, DNA Mad Scientist is another one where they just that was <laughs> what they wrote. That. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not DNA Mad Scientist. There no, we go. This series does seem to be because I because I keep seeing '90isms, but I also feel like it's very early 2000s as well at times. So it kind of makes sense that it's a 1999 show. Like there's a lot yep. of stuff that's clearly from the '90s. I I'm gonna be interested to see how it evolves, like as 2000s progress especially after september 11th like you get like like it seems like a lot of a lot of show shift focus after after that so i'd be curious to see if 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 there's any impact on this show as we watch it um not yeah, it's australian so maybe not but but uh, yeah i don't know i i i i hadn't thought about that when i watched it so maybe maybe i'm not going to say there isn't i didn't I, I i haven't observed anything but it is something to think about as we watch but i mean i mean even like not like 9-11 itself necessarily but all the stuff that flows from it just tend like the you know the war and like all these things were kind of yeah oh, infiltrating yeah. other media shift. um even science fiction shift. shows um, yeah yeah, I agree. I agree. Like nobody it, cared uh, about IEDs before Iraq. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> then and then suddenly they were kind of in all sorts of things. Do you know what I'm saying? In sorts of movies and shows and and so I think uh, I think I think. Uh, but this this very much like the thing that really signifies this is 1999 to me is the soundtrack that 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 voice melody that they have at the opening of the <laughs> show is like something that you heard in like every new age store in like the late nineties. Do you know what I mean? And in every yeah. bookstore you went into. Um, yeah. It's very, very nineties. I agree. I agree. That is, that is distinctly in that area. But yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, the only, the only post nine eleven season is, uh, is actually, uh, well actually, yeah, part of, part of season three came out after, but I don't know if they would have, been able to i don't i think it probably i don't think it would have affected production season four it wouldn't have been like the sopranos where they have to take out like the uh twin towers and and spider-man yeah yeah but uh no i i I be like i said being uh i I don't think australians would have cared enough to do that but uh that's another show we should do at some point is the sopranos that would be a very interesting one to do i have not watched sopranos oh you've not watched the sopranos Oh, oh, no. oh, we're going to have to do Sopranos okay. at some point for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've been meaning to watch it. So it's, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I didn't have HBO at the time it aired and I, I keep meaning to go back and I never do. So, uh, that my, my mom was a Sopranos fanatic. So she used to make uh, pasta every time Sopranos came on. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it was like a, a big deal in that household. Uh, you couldn't talk when the Sopranos were on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really good show. I mean, I don't want to deviate too much from the present discussion, but it's a really well-written show. If you, I think you mentioned that you like Breaking Bad. Yeah. And if you like Breaking Bad, I think you would, not only would you like Sopranos, but you might be able to see some connective tissue between that and Breaking Bad. That would be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you, it's not something you need to sell me on watching. It's one of those things I, I definitely want to watch. And I Claudius, there's there are, there are deliberate references huh. to I Claudius in in uh, in the Sopranos. Um, well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, the, the the showrunner actually confirmed that, so it's not like it, it, it's 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 absolutely a thing, um, uh, which I won't spoil for you. But uh, but yeah, so so anyways, I don't know. I think I think we've kind of 
wrapped up the discussion generally on the 45 I think, minute mark i think we're good yeah i uh i think i covered everything i had to say and it's, uh and so i do apologize i know that we didn't have wuxia weekend we did have a, an episode of wuxia workshop that uh that we that we put up in between so there is sort of something on the podcast for people in that respect but we were, we we had meant to do uh have sword will travel and i believe we're going to just continue with that into next week um and uh and yeah so and and also we uh we didn't have our wednesday episode of this so we're a little bit behind on farscape too um yeah. how many episodes are in this season do we know is that uh Ah, uh, got it right here. Twenty-two episodes. In this so that's season. that's actually pretty. Uh, that it's about the length of Babylon Five, I guess. Right? It's it's similar. yeah. It's a season a season shorter. I was actually so. looking at old Star Trek. Those are like thirty plus episodes a season. So if we ever do that, yeah. it's going to be. It's only three <laughs> seasons, but each season will be pretty long. Um, which you don't notice when you're watching it on rerun on Channel Seven or whatever local station does your uh, does your Star Trek. But but I, I feel like if we sit down and, and, and binge watch like we do for for these shows, uh, it, it might feel a little bit tedious unless we do like three episodes at a time, which might be too much. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll need to we'll need to plot that out. But uh, I uh, yeah, I don't know how many because the thing is, TV shows are longer back then, too. So, you know, doing three episodes might. might well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll 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 <laughs> we'll. we'll, we'll uh... Yeah, we'll, 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 no, what we'll do, we'll watch the first episodes and we'll make a decision based <laughs> on that. Just, yeah. Fair enough. Because the pacing's enough. different too in the old series. That I do remember. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, though I have to admit, I kind of like that old fashioned pacing. That's I do I, too. I like, I like some slow pacing. I've been watching some Twilight Zone lately. But, uh, the, uh, but yeah, it's I, it's it's definitely a slower paced show than Farscape. There's no question I mean, there. <laughs> and Farscape does have a lot of dialogue, but it tends to happen as the action is unfolding in a lot of episodes. So you you, you do tend, yeah. tend to get that sense of movement. Um, but you know, yeah. Star Trek was made back in the day when, like Twilight Zone, people were content to have characters standing in a room talking for an extended period of time. Um, exactly. Exactly. So. So, so anyways, we will be back on. And again, this was uh, Farscape, I think, episodes seven, uh, six and seven. And so we'll be on eight and nine, and we'll work our way through the rest of the season. And, and yeah, so far I'm enjoying it. And I think, uh, I, think it's, I think it was a good choice. I think this is um, – I was actually thinking as I was watching these episodes, man, I really wish I had watched this when it came out. I think that would have been an enjoyable I, show to yeah. watch. I know. I'm the same way. I, I completely ignored this when I was on the air. It's like my, my one of my best friends, we, we were hanging out a lot around this time. And we, we were just like, why weren't we watching this? Why were we not watching this? Before? I have a theory. I think the logo really just caught. That's what caused me <laughs> to confuse it with like, what did I confuse it with? Firefly. Firefly. Yeah. I, I, I had, I, I had, the, the logo never captivated me enough to look beyond the logo, and then I just ended up assuming well, all kinds of things. I, I think for me, more than anything else, it's it's just there were so many bad t- bad science fiction TV shows in the nineties. There was just this glut of science fiction shows that did nothing for me. I think I was just I just wasn't interested in checking out science fiction TV shows for the most part. So now, what would you include in that? I know that we're supposed to be ending the episode, but what would you include in that glut? Because now I'm curious. What was what were what were shows that were were were, were bad ninety? I I can't even say. I mean, it was just there were just 
those all those syndicated shows that well how'd you feel about the star trek news here like the deep space nines and the and the next generation with those i never got into deep space nine mm-hmm. i next generation i i don't know there there's good episodes here and there but i was never i, I watched the first two seasons of mm-hmm. next generations all the way through at the time because all my friends watched it and well, it was sometimes okay and i mean you're you back then you were really hungry for anything that was science fiction it was yeah. like well this is okay i guess but uh but yeah i i i never i my problem with, with star trek next generation i didn't i didn't like the change in tone for the first series just kind of the sanctimonious and mm. people are all perfect now and nobody argues with each other and i just i i the defining point in the first season there's an episode where they defrost these people from the 20th century that they find, you know, in cryogenics. And it's about how the one guy's an alcoholic and the other ones, oh, they've, they've all got these personal problems. And I'm like, wow, these are human beings. And it was like the, the, the point of the episode was look how stupid and flawed people in the 20th century were. And my, my feeling was, wow, look what robots <laughs> these main characters on the show are and how boring and uninteresting they are was my takeaway. And I and I'll and I'll do you the favor of staving off the the rabid Star Trek Next Generation fans here and step in and say I I actually did enjoy the Next Generation. <laughs> oh, I was not um, going to save I, me. You're yeah. saving yourself. Well, no, no, yeah. no. Well, well, I'm saving the show. I'm saving the show. We, you know, I want to make sure we don't both die together on this one. I but I can understand the criticism because it definitely was more sanctimonious, and I think that was a period of time. It kind of came on the heels of the very special episode type thing, which yeah. we always make fun of. And I think it was a period when a lot of writers were just sort of indulging in, I have a pen and I can now, and I think we're kind of honestly going through that again right now where people are mistaking uh, the power to write an episode with being correct about something. And, yeah. Well, there and, were, oh, go there ahead. Were go ahead. problems too. Cause I mean, Roddenberry, you know, during the time between the original series and the new series, we had all the Star Trek conventions and we had this whole this whole Trekkie culture started where people started idolizing the idea. It's like when Roddenberry was working on the original Star Trek, he was making a TV show that was an interesting, pretty, pretty decent science fiction TV it, it show. It was very it was, optimistic, started, though. It was, it a very, was optimistic, yeah. but it wasn't it didn't have an ideology in the same way that, well, you know, basically I feel like Roddenberry absorbed all these ideas I, between the two. I would disagree a little bit. Now, again, I do okay. have to go back and, and, and watch the uh, the old Star Trek. It's been a, I, I watched it as a kid mainly. Do you know what I mean? But I had a friend who was really yeah. into it, so we watched it every day. And uh, But I remember the show being very in terms of the context of its time being very political and having a clear ideology. It was. Yeah, I I, I misspoke. I said oh, okay. it didn't have an ideology, but I feel I feel it did have an ideology, but it was a pretty conventional, relatable ideology mm-hmm. whereas I felt like I felt like the ideology behind the new series where well, humanity's perfect now and blah blah mm-hmm. blah and all of that. It's like that wasn't that wasn't part of the original series. Okay, know? okay, I see what you're saying. I see. Well, Again, I'd have to go back to the original series, at least by Star Trek Four. I remember those tones being visible. Oh, sure. Well, that was the, yeah, that was the same. Um, you're going to get to the same era as yeah. Next Generation. Um, but no, no, you are. You, you definitely are. Um, but I feel like, I again, I feel like they were st- like, I feel like the spirit of of old Star Trek was very present in the new one. I, I think the problem really was more the delivery. I think it was the, the fact mm-hmm. that it was done in a way that was, 
like I said, kind of punky Brewster-esque at times. Um, yeah. And a little yeah. heavy-handed. But I still, I have to admit, I still enjoyed it, even though I, I, I could see the heavy-handedness of it. Like the, the There are good episodes. Yeah. yeah, there's no question. I mean, there's, yeah, I will definitely defend but, certain episodes. But. but but I will say this, like a lot of the episodes, when they do make their points, it's kind of like watching somebody use one of those old... Um, those old inflatable punching bags that bunch up and, you know, they just kind of, it, it really was a pretty easy shot. They would be taking at whatever target they were setting themselves up. Exactly. For. Um, and, and exactly. I remember there was a Hal Hallbrick episode, which is a really good episode. I enjoyed it where, you know, they where Mark Twain comes aboard the ship and, and it was kind of, you know, it kind of got into that territory when we, I, I think we should honestly do both the old and the new series at some point. Cause this conversation is telling me there will be a lot of discussion to be had. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, um, that's that there, there's definitely, definitely. I mean, that would, that would make it interesting. I don't know that I'd want to do all of next generation though, because that's 10 years. Well, of, well here's of what episode. I suggest we would do. I suggest we would do all of the old, Gener- all the old Star Trek because those are managed. That's that's an achievable. That's yeah. an achievable goal. That's an yeah. achievable goal. And then maybe do like I don't. I don't want to sit through the first season again. But maybe watch <laughs> some of the key episodes that. from each season if possible. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe do a couple of a few episodes from the first season just to get a taste, if, but not you know, not the whole thing. I I I, I think I think that I think that the next generation is best consumed as it was released, which is, you know, once a week watching it on TV. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's really the way to watch it. Um, yeah. and it, and it, and it's now a little bit dated. So, uh, you know, I, uh, but you know, again, I'm probably not doing anything to stave off the rabid Star Trek fans here, but I think that, uh, um, I don't know. I, 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 I enjoyed that series though. I do see, I see merit in what you're saying about it. Yeah, friends. and I, I, you know, it, that's that's my take on it. I, I, I'm not, you know, contemptuous of people that like it, but it, it just it just bothered me at the time. So now, outside of Star Trek, were there any other series that particularly irked you, or was it mainly the Star Trek franchise at that time? Uh there wasn't a lot of science fiction going on which was one reason i watched i mean you know like misfits of science i don't know that was, <laughs> it was it wasn't there wasn't a ride you know there was the war of the world's 80s tv series which was atrociously bad we had um we had a alienation show which i think was a 90s show right i think that's 90s yeah, yeah that's early 90s then I'm, and, i was talking more 80s oh I, well because start next generation was 80s into the 90s so i sort of and we yeah had, yeah quantum leap was another science quantum fiction leap, yeah, yeah. I, I liked quantum leap i thought quantum leap was a I, really good show actually yeah um, yeah i i didn't watch a whole lot of it but i i thought it was was a pretty decent show but it uh, suffered from the same thing you're pointing to which is it had it that sort of pontification aspect which so and again i i don't think me and adam are saying we necessarily disagreed with the political thrust of the arguments no it's just no, that the way no. it was presented was always so ham-fisted and i'm a writer so i know what i'm talking about kind of a thing and that can be I don't know. That can be kind of grating sometimes, especially if yeah. the argument isn't made well, which is, I don't know. I think it's in a, in a science fiction show, it can go either way. Like uh, in the yeah. hands of a Harlan Ellison, you can really do exceptional work with that. But in the hands of a typical Hollywood writer, I think, you know, it, it, it tends to, it tends to falter. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Early nineties, I, I wasn't watching TV anyway. That was when I went to college and, 
we had amazing stories too. We had. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, actually I liked the '80s Twilight Zone. I will defend the. It does. I mean, obviously, it's like any Twilight, like the old Twilight Zone. Not every episode is great, but I, mm-hmm. I and it, it, you know, and the '80s Twilight Zone isn't as classic as the '60s one, but it's. I, I think there's still some very good episodes of that. What about Earth Two? Earth Two. Do you remember that show? I never watched Earth Two. I. So. That was one of the shows. Like I, you know, I always say this looks like a show where I got invested in like the first few episodes, and then it got canceled. Yeah, Earth Two is one of those kind of shows where I got really into, and then I remember it, I think it got canceled I, like the second season or something. I I just had the sense that show was going to die instantly, so I didn't watch it because I'm like, I no, this is this is not going to last, and I I I stayed away. I, I developed I developed that thing of when I my. My my spider sense told me the show was immediately going to get canceled. Like, nope, I'm not, not 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 touching that show. So, well, we've we've regaled people with our '80s and '90s nostalgia for science fiction yeah. series. So, um, so yeah, so we'll be back, and uh, until then, we will talk to you later. <laughs>